Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, part of the Christmas tradition around here is not only do we get ready for our Christmas services, but um, me personally, um, I have a Christmas tradition where I always take my kids to the same mall to see the same Santa to always give him our wish list. Anybody else do that? Yeah, all right. So uh, here, it's part of my tradition too that I always show you our epically crazy crying kid pictures. I don't know why. I'm always wondering every single year somebody's having a nuclear meltdown with Santa Claus. This is the first year without a nuclear meltdown. We have our first nice picture. Yeah. Here's a picture of the kids. Look at that. They all are wearing matching outfits that their grandmother made them. Isn't that great? Leah's mom is an amazing seamstress. Celinda, if you're listening, thank you. I love you. Thanks for making my kids look so great and festive. Now, so it's a great picture. Nobody's crying. However, I will point out one weird thing that I noticed once we got the picture. Look at my youngest little boy, Asa, one year old. Let's zoom in on that. I don't, I don't know exactly what's happening in that moment. Is that part, why am I on this hairy guy's lap with a red coat? And part, finally, I'm on my throne. I don't know which one. I don't know which one it is. Which one it is. So, Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. All right. So we've been in this season getting ready for Christmas. Uh, we are in the Advent season, talking about a series, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. If you remember what we said the past couple of weeks, Advent is the Latin word for coming. Advent is more than just countdown to Christmas. Advent, if it's done right for Christ followers, it's where we're stirring up longing in ourselves for the coming of Jesus, celebrating how he came to us 2,000 years ago. The word became flesh. Christ was born in Bethlehem. Amazing. Praise God for that. But the other half of Advent is longing for the second coming of Christ, for him to come again and to make the world and all of its woundedness and brokenness right again with the new creation. It's part of the promise. So we're, we're preaching the series called Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. It's based off the famous Charles Wesley Christmas hymn, On that title, Come That Long Expected Jesus. Charles was the brother of John Wesley. The two of them were the founders of the Methodist Wesleyan revival that swept the entire Western world in the first great awakening. And uh, God used them mightily and powerfully in the world. Uh, What's funny to me is if I asked most of you here, name for me one John Wesley sermon, you probably couldn't do it. If I told you, can you sing some of Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which Charles wrote, you could do that, which makes me feel weird that nobody's going to remember anything I preach, but they'll be able to sing all the songs Keith leads us in. <laughs> Not sure how I feel about that. Anyway, so we've been doing a line from each, uh, a, a different line from this hymn every single week to illustrate some of the depth of Advent this season. So first we talked about how he is the hope of all the earth. We talked about the light and life of Christ has come to us. Then we talked about he's the joy of every longing heart and how following John the Baptist's example of repentance can bring great joy in God's presence if we learn to do that the right way, how um, Pastor Dale explained to us. Last week, we had a deeply meaningful day in church where we talked about, let us find our rest in thee. We had honest conversations about faith and grief 
and pain and loss and how the Christian practice of lament can help us change our pains into what we call doxology, where our greatest pain can often be transformed into praise. And Jesus meets us even in our sorrow. Wasn't last week really meaningful? Very special, very special. And so this week we're talking about the last line for this series called Born to Set Thy People Free. Born to Set Thy People Free. So uh, our passage for today comes from Luke chapter 2. This is a more traditional um, Advent passage. It's around the birth narratives and the nativity narratives of Jesus. So we're in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through uh, 39. And so if you're able... Would you please stand? We've been doing this lately as a tradition in our church to stand, if you're able, for the reading of God's word. And uh, the reason we do this is because we believe this is the only book that as you read it, it reads you. It's the only book you're ever going to read that reads you back. It's alive and active. So for honor of what God has to say to us this morning, let's listen here. Luke writes this. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem Baby Jesus took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Wow. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that would be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. He's prophesying about the destiny of Jesus. There was also prophet Anna. So it's not just men. This is women, too. There was also prophet Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84 she never left the temple, but worshipped day, night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at this, that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And this last verse isn't in there. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was on him. Let's pray. So Lord, in two veins, one, we say thank you for your presence that's here. Your presence was here before we got here. You're already here. And we recognize the presence of the living Savior Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit.
And at the same time, Lord, we want to invite you to move in fresh ways and be hospitable to your presence amongst us. So we pray, come, thou long-expected Jesus, even now. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Five, four, three, two, one. Anybody else hate awkward silence? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, waiting is can be hard and painful and awkward, can it not? Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about waiting here today. Uh, waiting, at best, in this world, is inconvenient. At best, it's inconvenient. At worst, it could feel like hell on earth, like Disney World in July. (laughs) Anybody with me? All right. Like the DMV. Like I-95 when there's been an accident. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, at best, waiting is an inconvenience, especially waiting in a really long line. Um, at best, it's an inconvenience. At worst, it can feel like hell on earth. Nobody likes waiting. Nobody does. Um, I put up online this week, if you, if you follow me, uh, if we're friends on Facebook or if you follow me on Instagram, I put up a, a question. I said, what's the longest thing you've ever waited for? And people came back with a lot of different creative answers. Some were more lighthearted and less serious than others. So I like, got uh, one person who's a beloved partner in our church. So what's the longest thing you've ever waited for? He said, four hours on a urologist table. Another person wrote, what's the longest thing you waited for? A hippopotamus for Christmas. And hippopotamuses want me too, right? Anybody know that song? Yeah, okay, yeah. All right, um, one person in our church who's a good old country boy said, I waited a year and a half for my brand new Ford Bronco, which of those things are pretty cool if you've seen them. Um, One person in our church who uh, said this, I waited with my wife 128 minutes in a line at Disney. Notice they didn't say two hours. They said 128 minutes exactly. Um, And one person who's a spouse at our church, bless her heart, she picked the really wrong week to troll her husband online, said, what's the longest thing you've ever waited for? It's not me, it's my husband. He's been waiting his whole life, 32 years, for the Dolphins to get past the playoffs. Oh, brutal. That's mean. Even after last night, that's mean. I like Tua. Be nice to him. Tua's legit. Everyone get off him. 
So people, there's some less serious things, but then some people wrote some more heartfelt things about uh, what they've waited for. On Instagram, Miss Beth is here today. Dale is baptizing out in Lake Worth. Miss Beth is here today. Beth Locke is the co-founder of our church, y'all. She's not Pastor Dale's wife. She's the co-founder. And Miss Beth wrote this on Instagram. What's the longest thing she ever waited for? 15 years of doing mobile church at Royal Palm Beach High School to get into this building right here. Yeah. So all of you, any high school, any high school day people, people here? Yeah, look at all those hands. We, y'all, the rest of us are sitting in the sacrifices of other people to be here today. Praise God, we honor you. And Dale and Beth, we honor you. Um, other people wrote some harder things. Like, what are you waiting for? I've been waiting for years for a relationship to be restored. Uh, somebody wrote, they would do it all over again in a heartbeat, but they waited through 36 hours of labor. One person said, I had six days without power after a hurricane. One person said, I waited two years and one week to be set free from prison. And then um, this is one that's filled with joy, but I know how this can be hard and difficult too. The thing that surprised me the most that people wrote on Facebook and on my Instagram said the longest thing they waited for was for their first child or grandchild. Yeah, heartfelt. Um, At best, waiting is an inconvenience. At worst, it's painful. It's painful. Nobody likes waiting. We all try to avoid waiting. Our culture tries to help us not wait for anything. Uh, You don't have to wait for anything with fast food. I would like a double cheeseburger, please, with fries. Great, sir. Right? Where is it? (laughs) We wait for that. We have prime shipping, drone deliveries, instant access, stream now. My goodness, do you remember when you wanted to go watch a movie as a kid? Even if like, you wanted to go rent a movie, you had to leave your house to go get it and then bring it back. And my kids now, like, I want to watch any movie ever. Why can't I just do that with a click of a button? So our society is trying to reduce any waiting at all, at all. And, you know, I'm good with that. It's not a bad thing. I like all those things. I benefit from them. What I'm here to tell you today is that waiting is actually, in the Bible, a virtue. It's a virtue. And it's even a spiritual discipline. So a couple quick things, generally speaking about the Bible, and it talks about waiting. Here's what I mean. Um, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he'll rise up to show you compassion. Pause. If anybody ever told you the God of the Old Testament is mean-spirited, they haven't read enough of the Old Testament. For he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Generally speaking, anybody who learns to wait on God gets blessed. Proverbs, uh, Proverbs twenty twenty two. do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. I'm going to get you, sucker. No, don't do that. Instead, wait for the Lord. He's the one who will avenge you. So it's not just generally speaking, you'll be blessed. But if you learn to trust God and let him handle what he's supposed to handle, you'll be blessed. First Corinthians chapter one, verse seven, Paul says us, therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He's talking about the second coming, the second advent, the ultimate hope that all Christians wait and long for. Waiting is a theme and a motif all throughout the scripture. When we wait on God, what we mean by that is that we're waiting for him to do what he said he will do. And how we act in the meantime until he does it is waiting on him. Which shows us what Simeon and Anna were doing in Luke chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 25. 
Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's language of basically saying he was waiting for the Messiah to be born. This is another line in Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Um, He was waiting for the Messiah to be born, and the Holy Spirit was on him. That's important. We'll come back to that. Then we see Anna in verse 35, or 38, excuse me. Coming up to that very moment, she, Anna, gave thanks to God and spoke uh, about the child to all who were looking forward, if you're taking notes under that, to the redemption of Israel. The word when it talks about Simeon of waiting and the word when it talks about looking forward is the exact same word in Greek. It's just translated two different ways to get at the meaning of it in English. Waiting and looking forward are the exact same thing. Both Simeon and Anna were practicing waiting on God in this passage. Now, when you wait on God to do the things that God said he would do, it's really expressed in two ways. Big promises from God, like I'm coming again. One day I'm going to make the world right and there'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more cancer, no more disease, no more war. When Jesus will come again and set the world right in the new creation. Big, huge promises. And also smaller, minor promises, individual promises. Like look here, verse 26. So Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel, the Messiah, big promise. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Waiting on God involves waiting for him to do the big things and also the individual things that's just for you. This was an individual promise for him where the Lord sweetly told him, you're not going to die before with your own eyes you'll see the anointed one. Wow. Individually, let me rewind. Communally, God has promised us he's going to come again and make the world right. We wait for that. Individually, he's promised he's your provider. Some of you are like, that's great that Jesus is going to come again. I have bills this month. I don't know how I'm going to pay. Some of you are like, I don't know how I'm going to have peace when I go to work on Monday. I don't know where I'm going to get the love to love difficult people in my family and in my life. I don't know what I'm going to do with these things. And God says, I'll provide for all of that. I'm faithful. I'm as sure as the sun rising in the east every day. Will you trust him while you wait for him? Big promises and individual promises. These are both things we wait on God for. Make sense? So here's what we learned from Simeon and Anna that I want you to know today. One, waiting on God is actually a posture. It's a posture in how you carry yourself while you anticipate God to do what he said he would do for you and for the people of the earth and for his people. It's how you carry yourself. Now, posture is important. My grandmother used to teach me good posture, good manners. She actually taught manners courses in whatever communities we lived in. Anybody else have a grandmother who taught you how to stand up straight and how to, you know, not eat with like shoveling your face, but how to hold a fork right and do all that stuff? Yep. Yep. Now, when I say waiting is a posture, it doesn't mean here's how you hold a book on your head and walk straight. I don't mean that. I mean, it, it could mean that, but it's more than that. I think of sports. I'm a dude. I think of sports. And the only sports I played were all combat sports. Um, that's right. Your pastor, the only thing he's good at is how to kind of beat people up. <laughs> I put the fist in pacifist. Yeah. That was a slow burn right there. Hey, all right. Um, 
Posture matters. So, so like, um, I do martial arts. I do martial arts. Um, I, got, um, um, I, I grew up doing Taekwondo. I got involved in it again a couple months ago. I got my black belt in the spring. That was a cool thing, karate. At the same dojo, my son got his black belt in October, y'all. Check this out. Here's Cade getting his black belt. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. <clears throat> so technically, he and I have the same rank in karate, and he'll occasionally look at me and go, we're the same rank, Dad. I'll take you out. Well, <laughs> we'll see about that. So, but in karate, posture really matters. Stances really matter. If you have good stances, that means you won't be pushed back for trying to defend yourself. Your strikes will be stronger if you have everything the exact right way. Your posture matters. Your, what your posture is doing in martial arts is actually might be more important than your strikes. Good posture means you'll be strong. Bad posture means you'll be weak. What's true in the natural is also true in the spiritual. While you wait for God to do what you're waiting for him to do. If your posture is bad, you'll be weak. But if your posture is good, you'll be filled with divine strength. This is one of the mysteries of following Christ. People will think my joy, my peace, my strength, my contentment, and my fulfillment will come when God delivers on my hopes. Wrong. Joy, hope, and peace, and strength, and contentment come in the middle while you're waiting for the thing to be fulfilled. And it all depends on your posture. When people have bad posture, when we wait for God to do what we're hoping for him to do, if we have bad posture, we're whiny. I want it now. We have bad posture and grumble, but I'm tired. I just wish God would do. God, are you doing anything? Is God even real? This church stuff is stupid. Why am I even going? I don't want to listen to the bearded guy in plaid every week anymore. <laughs> and we whine and whine and whine and whine and whine. Hello, this is me. That's my bad posture. When I'm tired, I need God to fill my cup. I'm whining all the way. Bad posture. Bad posture can also mean if you're waiting on God to do the thing that you're waiting for him to do, it also means, well, God's going too slow, so I'm just going to take over and I'm going to make it happen. God's going too slow, but I got this. Does that ever go well? No. Waiting on God means you're going to let God do his part, and I'm going to do my part. You ever heard the phrase, God is slow, but he's always on time? Sure. God is slow, but he's always on time. And while God is, you experience him as being slow, if you wait with posture of trust, with hope, with eager anticipation, it's not if he's going to do it, it's just when, and in the meantime, I'm going to be patient. Check this out. Romans 8.25 says this. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. This is the secret of Christianity. If you wait patiently for something that God has said he would do, you get filled with divine strength. Isaiah 40 says it like this. We're going to put it on the screen here. Listen here. Would you ever, why would you ever complain, O Jacob? Or whine Israel saying, God has lost track of me. He doesn't 
He doesn't care what happens to me. But don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's the creator of all you could see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out, doesn't pause to catch his breath. And he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to dropouts. Keep going. And even young people tire and drop out. Young folks in the prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. Pause. Are you tired or worn out? Are you running on fumes and on empty? This is for you. Those who wait on God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. If you learn to wait with God with good posture, to wait patiently with hope, with trust, with anticipation, in the middle, God fills with strength. So waiting is a posture, but check this out here. Waiting is also a practice. Now, it's one thing to say, have good posture or you wait on God. That's great, pastor. How do I do it? Well, I'm about to tell you how. Because Simeon and Anna were doing this in the temple. They were worshiping. They were praying. They were fasting. They were doing all the things that were building their posture. To have good posture with anything, you have to practice it. And learning how to have good posture to wait on God involves having a practice to learn how to wait on him. Here's what I mean by that. Um, in 2020... Anybody remember that year? Um, it was a hard year, was it not? And uh, everyone had their own expression of the difficulty that year. And for me, I did okay in March when lockdowns happened and the whole church went online. And because I handle a lot of the digital stuff for church, my world went into hyperdrive. And uh, I did okay in March. And I did okay in April. And then when I hit May... My, this is how I describe it. My soul went numb. Couldn't feel my soul. I couldn't feel God anymore. I was doing all the right stuff. I was reading. I was praying. I was giving. I was serving. I was worshiping. I was doing all the right things. I wasn't in crazy sin and I was hiding or anything. None of that was happening. I was doing all the right stuff. But God just went MIA on me. You ever felt like that before? When no matter what you do, you just can't find God. That's weird to say as a pastor, because I'm supposed to have all the Jesus answers. And here I am, reading and praying, finishing out my journals. Well, God, that's it for today. Wish you were here. Love, Trevor. Now, the truth of it is, Jesus promises, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So he didn't leave me. Jesus promises that. But I couldn't feel him. And what I learned in that season was that, and this is, I think, a word for anybody listening now. If you are having a hard time finding God, and it's not because you're running from him, God will sometimes temporarily withdraw from your feelings in order to get your attention, to teach you to seek him in new ways. It's like when I was teaching my kids to swim, and I would take two steps back from them in the water so they would learn to swim a little bit deeper to me. That's what God does. He'll temporarily withdraw from feelings to have you swim a little bit deeper in the river of life with him. And what got me out of it was learning how to wait on God in prayer. 
That was it. It wasn't more Bible reading. It was more praying, more lists, more songs. God, honestly, was just trying to get me to shut up. And I relearned how to wait on him in prayer. I learned about it. If you want to get a great book or resource about it, I've read a lot, a lot, a lot of books on prayer. This one probably is my favorite ever. It's How to Pray by Pete Gregg. And um, he writes about how do you practice waiting on God in prayer? It's four words. One, relax. Everyone just chill out. (laughs) Find a comfy chair you can sit in. I sit in a hand-me-down leather recliner that I have. Maybe it's a bench outside. Maybe it's your couch. Doesn't matter where. Find a place where you can sit, relax. Two, breathe. Everyone take a deep breath right now. Doctors and counselors are telling us that Western society is increasingly getting bad at breathing. We have lots of shallow breaths because we're over-caffeinated and over-anxious. And learning to breathe deeply lowers your heart rate, lowers your cortisol levels, resets your mind. All this uh, mindfulness literature that comes out is really just stealing from Christianity about prayer. So you breathe. And then speak. I thought you said it was about shutting up. It is. But sometimes your attention, you'll get distracted. And so it helps to have a word or a phrase to say to get your attention back. So sometimes I'll say, Jesus, you're here. And I'll say that just every minute or so, Jesus, you're here. And when my mind wanders about my grocery list, I go, Jesus, you're here. And when my mind wonders why Tom Brady and the Bucks can't win a game, I'll go, Jesus. I'll, go, I'll think about that later. Jesus, you're here. I think about my Christmas presents I have to wrap. and There's nothing wrong with getting distracted. Every giant of prayer ever got distracted. Jesus, you're here. And then you just repeat. Every time you get distracted, just breathe and speak either Jesus' name or a little phrase that will help you focus your attention. And that's it. It would be a crime for us to talk about this and say, be blessed, go give it a shot. We're going to practice it now. And we're going to just practice it for a crisp 45 minutes. (laughs) So I started off with like a minute-ish of awkward silence. What if we ended the message with just one minute of presence-filled silence? So we're going to put a timer on here. And we're going to practice this for one minute. And just try it here. Try it on your own throughout this week. And eventually you want to do one minute, and then they'll become three minutes. And then eventually, if you keep doing it, you want to go five minutes. And then all of a sudden, you're one of those weird prayer people who's just waiting on God for a long time. And you'll you'll find the Holy Spirit draw near to you and fill you with divine strength. This is what made my soul come back and stronger than it was before in 2020. So let's practice it together. Everyone take a deep breath. And Keith is going to play for us a little bit of music, just ambient music. Sometimes I sit in silence. Sometimes I use instrumental ambient music to just help. So let's pray. Deep breath. Jesus, you are here. We're just going to wait on God.
and just sit in his presence and just be still. says be still and know that I am God so Lord we wait for you Lord we wait for you this Advent season and we long for you to come and so in prayer now and as an act of prayer we light this candle as a symbol of our love and our longing for you to come to us fresh Let's pray this prayer together on the screen. Oh God of love, we long for your return. We long for your presence with us. We long to orient our lives around your guiding light. Come, Lord, in your fullness. Amen. So, Lord, we wait for you. As we wait for you, renew our strength. In Jesus' name. Hey, y'all, Keith wrote that song. Isn't that cool? Yeah, praise God, yeah. So, (laughs) So community of hope, prepare your hearts to receive this benediction. Hope has come, and hope is coming again. Jesus, we wait for you. Come, thou long expected Jesus name we pray and all God's people said. Amen. We're going to have prayer people up here to pray with you. Otherwise, Merry Christmas. We'll see you for Christmas Eve. See you next week.